I'm not I'm not waking up coughing like I'm actually sleeping through the night. Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Craig Moorhead and uh, I am here today, tonight, this afternoon with your co-host and mine, Sean Harwell. Craig, how are you? I'm doing all right, Sean. I'm doing okay. Uh, uh, I'm not coughing nearly as much as last time. How about you? Well, I'm coughing a lot more than last time. You may have uh, successfully given the first cold to someone over the internet uh, in the history of mankind. So congrats on that. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to get through this without leaving any mucus uh, on anyone's earphones. But I make nice. no promises. That's wise. Yeah, but if I do, you know, get some Purell or something, just wipe them off. You'll be good. Yeah. You probably won't get sick the way Sean did. Right. Yeah, it's not that bad. So, Sean, mm-hmm. here's the deal. Here's what we like to do. We like to uh, have a short episode where we tee up a movie, and then the next episode, we will talk full on about our experience watching said movie, okay? That's right. And we just did that with a movie called Mr. Wonderful, Matt Dillon movie, uh, Anthony Minghella movie, uh, uh, Annabella Shora movie. That's right. Mary, Mary Louise Parker movie. A lot of people in the movie. James Gandolfini movie. James Gandolfini movie, William Hurt movie. Let's just name the entire cast again. Yeah, Luis Guzman <laughs> movie. From 1993. We just did our last two episodes were about that. They were pretty good. I liked them. If I do say so myself. I liked them. Yeah, I think I think people should check those out. Now, today, <clears throat> what we're talking about on the Never Heard of It podcast is uh, a movie from 2008 that's called Medicine for Melancholy, directed by Mr. Barry Jenkins. Yeah. Barry Moonlight Jenkins. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I picked this movie. Uh, I was taking the duties this month, and... I, honest to God, just searched for, because knowing that we had done Mr. Wonderful and then that was a rom-com and wanting to keep that theme this month, I was just looking up underrated uh, romantic comedy movies, and this one popped up, completely had slipped my radar, and then I saw it was directed by Barry Jenkins, and I loved Moonlight, so I was very excited to to check this one out, and then it's occurring to me now, which is a bit sad to say, that, yeah, this is in a lot of the same ways that Mr. Wonderful was. This is the movie that preceded a movie by the same director who would that would win Best Picture. So, uh, you know, that's a weird yeah. coincidence that I didn't necessarily intend, but here we are. And, yeah, I'm psyched about it. So I think you're going to walk us through who else is involved in this little movie here, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's we're gonna talk about uh, the the making of Medicine for Melancholy. Alrighty. Um, not to be confused with the Ray Bradbury short story collection. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's a little weird. And and I and I couldn't find anything, and I don't remember enough about the movie. I don't know if there's if there's sort of a reference, if there's sort of a thing there. It seems almost too much of a coincidence. Or maybe he just likes M. Yeah, movies with M in the. Maybe I, I think I, I, the only thing I saw was that it was inspired by the title. Yeah, because it, there's another movie. Right. I'll talk about this in, when we get to my session, but that inspired it in, uh, content-wise. So I don't know that there's anything mm-hmm. beyond he just liked the title. But if anybody else knows anything, I'd I'd love to know more about it. And I've never read that collection of short stories, so no, uh, you know, we're just illiterate on all fronts. That's right. That's right. This isn't the never read it podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry, but but yes. Yeah, so so here we are. Medicine for Melancholy, 2008. This comes out. Premiered at South by Southwest. Written and directed by Barry Jenkins. 
What else has he done, though, Sean? That's a good question. He was a writer for the HBO's The Leftovers, though he says he didn't get to do much. I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Still got to watch that show. Uh, he, he directed the uh, fifth episode of Dear White People. Oh, cool. Uh, titled Chapter 5. That was in 2017. He's uh, apparently now filming an adaptation he wrote of the James Baldwin book, If Beale Street Could Talk. But maybe most interesting, as far as I'm concerned, I, I think it's sometime after Medicine for Melancholy, he wrote a script uh, for Focus Features that he says was about Stevie Wonder and time travel. Whoa. Where is it, Barry? Let's say where is, where is it Focus, because maybe they're the ones that are like, yeah, okay, let's... Uh, that's we'll... true. Actually, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I apologize. Yeah. But maybe not, you know. It may have been a may, Focus situation. Yeah, maybe it's just a matter of lining up his, his schedule now that he's, you know, a Best Picture winner. But, yeah, that sounds intriguing. Indeed. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Oh, man. I think that'd be great. Especially if Stevie Wonder is the one time traveling. <laughs> yes. And they get actual Stevie Wonder. That'd be great. And he can't run into his other selves, yeah. you know? Yeah. As he, I don't know. I don't know. Right. There's a lot you could do with yeah, it. Yeah, it's bad at the future. I'm sure Barry already thought about sure, all that. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Sean, you'll be interested to learn that there are actors in the movie. Uh, it starred Wyatt Cenac, who you may know from The Daily Show. He was I a do. correspondent from 2008 to 2012. Yes, he was a... Uh, uh, not was. He's still alive. He's a very funny gentleman. Yeah. He now stars in the TBS show People of Earth. I remember seeing some commercials for that. I don't have TBS. I'm not one of those uh, quote unquote rich people. <laughs> yeah. Who have cable. But uh, Well, as someone who is, I've seen the commercials no. too, but I, I haven't watched it just because that's how rich I am. It's like I got TBS. I ain't even watching it. Oh, my God. And you're, not even, you're just wasting yep. it. You're just throwing it in the fire. Yep. Uh, well, did you know, though, that he started out as a writer on the show King of the Hill? No clue. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's been around for, for a while. I know uh, he's, he did stand-up, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he's done a bunch of stand-up, and he's um, done a lot of animated stuff. He was uh He was a voice on um, on a Nickelodeon show, Fanboy and Chum Chum, I think it's called. And <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. He's done a bunch of voices on Archer, Bob's Burgers, BoJack Horseman, a bunch of stuff like that. He's got a very distinct um, voice. I can see that being a selling point of yeah, his. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, yeah, since The Daily Show, it's not like he's been twiddling his thumbs. No. Why it's out there. Uh, his co-star in the movie, Tracy Higgins. The only thing that I saw on her MDIB uh, resume that I partially understood was uh, she played the character of Senna in the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. No kidding. She's done a bunch of TV, uh, a lot of short films, a lot of, uh, I think, independent stuff, but I I just haven't heard of it. Maybe that means we need to have a Tracy Higgins month. Incidentally, let me just take a yeah. second to... I can't remember if I've said this on record before, but Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't see any other Twilight movie, and I'm not sure you should... With all apologies to my right. wife. The last one is insane in all the right ways. I don't oh, quite wow. remember her in that, but uh, next time I watch it, and there will be a next time, uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled for her. Man, maybe we should do a special episode. <laughs> maybe we should, yeah. Like our, our, our annual Have Heard of It movie. Okay. Uh, well, everyone's heard of it. Well, that'll be my yeah. pick for this year then, maybe, yeah. Oh, man, that that would be great. Sorry, I'm, I'm yes. totally ready to check that out. Okay, not to completely derail this, but yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. We always have time for some derailings. But, Sean, you might be asking yourself, who actually put the actors on film? I mean, if there's no one there to shoot it, they're not going to be in the movie. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, cinematographer James Laxton, who's known for The Myth of the American Sleepover, which I haven't seen, but I love that title so much. It's a good one, yeah. Moonlight, which you may have heard of. Yes. And another film that we talked about last season, Bad Milo. Get out of town, really? No, I'm not going to get out of town. No. That's exactly what he shot. Wow, how about that? Got a good long uh, list of movies, too. Yeah. He's, 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 no, he's no slouch. Uh, and we have an editor. The movie was edited. It wasn't a single shot. And uh, that editor is Nat Sanders, who, among other m- movies, he has edited Hump Day, which I have seen and I wholeheartedly recommend. I can't remember if I've seen it that It really one. is. I've seen The Puffy Chair. I mean. And uh, yeah. one of the ones after that. I, think, I don't know that I've seen Hump Day, but that is the Duplass brothers it, in well, some regard. Right? They're in it? Universe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was directed by, uh, I think, Lynn, Lynn Shelton. Shelton. Okay. Yep. And and she does an amazing job. It's, it's really uh, an incredible, like, it's just one of those, it's a mumblecore movie, right? So sure. there's not a lot to it. There's not a, you, you don't, you're not traveling the globe. But that's okay. And they just they just found this great uh, now I'm derailing it, but they found this great story that I mean just has so much juice to it. It's like, and you I mean you, and you've never seen a movie like it. Wow, it's great. Okay. It's great. Yeah, um, I really like that movie. And uh, uh, but he also edited short term twelve. We're talking about Nat Sanders again. Uh, he edited short term twelve uh, and Laggies, uh, which I think is another Lynn Show. Yeah. Movie. He's got we should some, all yeah, big. be watching Lynn Shelton movies. Indie street cred there for sure, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Now, that is where my cast and crew uh, comes to an end, unfortunately. I didn't have a ton of information out there. Yeah, I was going to say, and it's my understanding that that probably is the, the entire cast and crew. It wouldn't surprise me, yeah. It's definitely a small movie. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of additional names... Maybe or just people that work for like IFC or something. <laughs> sure. Well, that was all interesting. Is it, is there anything else, or should I kind of pick up the uh, the torch here? Yeah, let me pass the torch to you. And fill us in on uh, what else we've missed. Well, I'll start just just backwards a little bit and talk about Mr. Jenkins because again, I loved Moonlight and I got excited about this movie. Predominantly because of that, but also because I I read it described as the black before sunrise uh, in regard to the Richard Linklater movies, which I also love. But apparently this movie was predominantly inspired by a Claire Denis movie, French filmmaker uh, Vendredi Soir, which is Friday night, if I have my translation correct. And uh, that was a movie that was, you know, built upon the premise of a one night stand about a couple and when he got around to making this movie, he knew it had to be cheap. And he thought, well, what's cheaper than just making a movie with two people? And that takes place sure. in basically one day. And so, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. But he, he says that he, he purposely did not rewatch uh, the Linklater movies. In fact, he was quoted as saying, I almost had a paranoia about it. You know, it was like, I can't make The Black before sunrise. It's crazy. He also kind of stayed away from some of the mumble, mumblecore stuff going on at the time. Sure. Uh, just as a viewer, just because of wanting to like, yeah, find his own sort of pulse and, and stamp and whatnot. But yeah, extremely small production. The budget I saw quoted was $13,000. Uh, that was on IMDb. 
in a different interview, which I think was from Filmmaker Magazine. We can maybe link to that. It's a really good one. But basically, he said, I won't tell you exactly what it is, but it makes, you know, it was more or less like the cost of a decent car. And he said that they didn't raise any money for the movie. He just went to a friend of his from film school, told him he wanted to make a movie, and then they did it. There were like five of them, and they all kind of contributed to it. And they were his best friends from college. I think James Laxton, the uh, cinematographer, is one of those. Uh, he went to Florida State University for film school. It was really interesting uh, to just look at it in that regard, that this was just a movie he made with his film school friends. And I don't know, that also kind of excites me too. It makes me think of, you know, George Washington. Yeah. Great world of sound, like some of the stuff that the guys we went to film school with mm. have made. And if you want to see some of Barry Jenkins' short films from Florida State University, he has a Vimeo page. What? He's got several things up there. I watched a couple of them. There's everything from a short sort of documentary he made in a span of like two hours, it says at the end of it. It's about 15 minutes long about just a young couple that have moved in together in San Francisco. And there is what appears to be a sort of promotional video that he made about Facebook's 10th anniversary. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, he's got some some of his student films up there, too. So highly recommend go checking out that, that page as well. Some cool stuff if you're That's awesome. a, a fan of him or just like seeing the, the progression of, of a director. Uh, but he graduated from film school and claims that, you know, he, he left Florida and moved to L.A. within a week. And by the end of the year, he was working as uh, an assistant for director Darnell Martin, uh, who she's made um, in the movie Their Eyes Were Watching God and then Cadillac Records, which I remember Cadillac mm -hmm. Records. He says that was a really interesting experience, and obviously he learned quite a bit you know, through the whole process of making a movie, but he left her and went to work for Harpo Films, which was Oprah Winfrey's company, right? right and I think he was just doing sort of assistant work of some kind, but he's quoted as saying you know, he got to a point where he was burned out and he had pretty much decided that I was done. I did something terrible that you should never do. I cashed out my 401k from Harpo. The benefits at that company are great. And I used that money to just bum around the country. I gave my car to charity. I gave all my furniture away to my friends, packed a suitcase and took trains around the country for about eight months. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I think a lot of that sort of experience is what informed this particular movie. And he did sort of end up after traveling in a relationship with a woman who was in San Francisco, and that's when he moved there. And I think that strongly influenced, although he says it's not autobiographical entirely, but I do think that it sounds like that at least influenced some of the yeah. decisions in the story that he had to tell there. But yeah. he made it in a short amount of time, I think two weeks. Yeah, like you said, it was at South by Southwest in 2008. I think it did the L.A. Film Festival in June of that year, and then after that is when IFC acquired it. Interestingly enough, I read that he, he told an audience, you know, he was at like a high school or even younger, actually, and some girl asked if he made money off of this movie, and he said, as a matter of fact, no, I'm actually in debt from this movie. And so I, that's kind of interesting. I don't know how much IFC pays, but uh, maybe that's a little revealing. Yeah. But yeah, so it did that. And then I think after, you know, IFC made their offer, it, it did Toronto as well and the Mar del Plata International Festival. And then it was in theaters in a very small release in January of 2009, as I think you mentioned. And Craig, it made $100,000, almost 112000 as a matter of fact. 
and played uh, at its widest seven theaters. And if I'm not mistaken, you and your lovely wife were two of the people who contributed to that $100,000 gross, right? Yeah. At least that's my memory of it. <laughs> uh, it's re- it's It seems really odd thinking back. It does, it, yeah. you said it, I was like, yeah, I saw this in the theater. And this that's is, crazy, yeah. I mean, but it was, it was a very different time. Uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't have children. Sure. So I could accidentally show up at a theater at any time of the day. Wow. Yeah. Now, how many people were there? Do you recall that much? There were, I'd say there's a, there was around $100,000 worth of people there. Yeah? No. What got you in the theater for that one? Like, what, what did you know anything about the movie going in? No. You were just like, Although, oh, so, this is playing. That sounds cool. <laughs> here's, here's my memory of it. Here's okay. what I think happened. So, Kyung and I were out. Kyung's my wife. I shouldn't say that. Should I put my, my social security number out there? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Just the last four digits. Uh, okay. So Kyung and I were in California, and we were with my friend Todd, who, who we talked to. Uh, last season, we, we talked with Todd, Mr. Rohal. Yes. And I believe, I believe he was the one who suggested seeing it. And it might be because I believe he knows Nat Sanders, the editor. Okay. And that may be why we ended up going to see it. And and but the twist here is all of that could be completely false. <laughs> I, I could have just constructed that memory out of thin air. I I, I feel like that's what happened. We'll have yeah. to ask your wife to confirm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get well, Todd on here. Well, that's he'll, he'll deny the whole thing. <laughs> that's still it's pretty amazing that yeah that you had even heard of it, let alone possibly seen it in a theater. Very impressed. Oh, yeah. Lots of lots of uh, kudos to you. And then last little bit of trivia I have for this is, again, related to Barry Jenkins himself. And apparently he and Damien Chazelle both figured out, Damien Chazelle being the director of La La Land and Whiplash, that they had made their first movies and both had had friends recommend the other's movie to them after they made it because both, I think, are predominantly in black and white. Chazelle's movie was Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. It came out in 2009, and then, you know this movie obviously was out the same year. And so this was something that they realized at an Oscars roundtable uh, when they were both nominated for Best Director. Less than, yeah, less than, uh, what, seven years later? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy things can happen, people. I guess eight years later. Okay. Anyway, yeah, it's like we talked about with Minghella. I mean, that's a pretty insane turnaround for any filmmaker to go from, yeah. you know, what he, he experienced with this movie and then and it's a very small release to uh, Best Picture. So super excited to kind of watch the origins of, of this guy and obviously see what else he has to bring us, hopefully involving Stevie Wonder and time travel. Man, I'd love to see that movie. Me too. Boom. Hey. Yeah. If you want to watch this with us, which would be great, uh, the movie's definitely out there on DVD. That's where I got it. I bet you can find it streaming somewhere, although I didn't look too, too hard. <laughs> right. Fair enough. You know, I got things to do, man. Yeah, yeah. You're not uh, You're not just a movie guy. No, but you should watch it and come join us. Yeah. Uh, I agree, Sean. I hope everyone does uh, watch it, and I hope they do uh, come back and listen to us talk about it and maybe maybe even they would tell us how they felt about it on our facebook page or on the twitters or in the instagrams 
that'd be nice. It's always nice to hear from you. And I hope you all have a nice day and don't cough. Oh, man. That's some good last words. <laughs> <laughs>